Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? It would be so awesome if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about. Kind, loving, Christian conversations. It's not a sermon, not a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. Today, I want to invite you to listen to a conversation that I had with my friends Tom Ward and his son Jake. Tom is one of the shepherds here at the Church of Christ on McDermott Road. He and his wife Cynthia have raised three wonderful children, Jonathan, Jake, and Kate. Their kids are all devoted to following Jesus, and as you know, that doesn't happen by accident. So I talked with Tom and Jake about what life was like in the Ward home. I have a feeling you'll find this discussion very encouraging. What things went on in your home growing up that helped you to become who you are and that led to where we are today? Because I mean, there's got to be good things and bad things and things that, Tom, as you think about it, you think, well, I probably wouldn't do that if I had to do it all over again. I have a or, lot of those. <laughs> yeah, we all do. I do already, and I'm <laughs> not very far into the journey. So I mean, what are some of those, what, what has led Jake to be, and not just Jake, but Jonathan and Catherine, and you know, what, what has led to y'all be, being followers of Jesus, and how, how did your home life play into that? I think a lot of it was a lot of uh, open conversations about kind of faith and with questions and stuff. And uh, my dad and, and I in particular really like uh, kind of, I guess, theological topics and discussing kind of um, the way we see God through different elements of the Bible and different components and kind of the meaning behind different things and kind of um, discussing the different layers in which that works and kind of how um, how that also applies to our faith and kind of the meaning behind that. And I think kind of just the day-to-day implementing uh, of that in our lives and kind of uh, how that how we see God in not only in, the, in scripture, but also just application in our lives and kind of, I guess, the open open format of being able to have that conversation really anytime. Well, I'd, I'd jump way back, you know, before Jake can even remember, obviously, because he was very small. Uh, and, of course, Jonathan came along before him. But um, I think a big part of it is creating that Christian family environment. And uh, certainly a very big part of that for us was uh, the congregation here at McDermott Road. And I just can't say enough how much we appreciate every member of the congregation and the contribution they made to our family growing up. And uh, not just, you know, teachers in the different children's classes who did a fantastic job of helping our kiddos uh, gain different perspectives on Bible stories and Bible characters and what it means to actually be a disciple, but also just the individuals in the congregation who would, uh, you know, come up and talk to our kids and develop that relationship and if you need to, you can edit a lot of these stories out, but the one that comes to mind is uh, there's a member of the congregation who was uh, very interactive with Jake when Jake was like first grade or so, and Jake uh, ended up getting an injury on his forehead and had a laceration that we had to fix, and uh, I'll never forget this story where uh, they came up to Jake and high-fived Jake and said, you know, Jake, how are you doing? How's that cut doing? And Jake said, oh, it's, it's getting better. And uh, I feel okay. And Jake walked away. But then Jake turned around and came back to him and said, but if you'd like to pray for me, that would be good. Aww. And then turned around and walked off. So 
the church family has really helped us to develop our Christian family at home, and it's been a tremendous blessing for us. It's awesome. So what are some of the, because I've, now, now I have had theological discussions with both of you, <laughs> and, and I told Jake the other day, I said, you know, I, knowing your parents, it's no surprise that you're such an awesome young man, um, but, but I mean, you both think very deeply about things. You think very deeply about life and about um, just kind of the what ifs and the big picture and, and these kind of big thoughts that a lot of people just don't seem to think about or don't care about. Um, maybe even discussions that if you pulled somebody in off the street, they'd be like, why are you even thinking about that? But, but I love that. I love the fact that you think, you think so much about God and about uh, what life is all about and what following Jesus is all about. Um, so I can I can only imagine what some of those discussions were like at home growing up. So, I mean, are there any of those types of discussions that kind of stick out in your mind from, from years gone by? Um, I think uh, probably the one that stands out the most, I think, is talking about kind of ideas of heaven and kind of like what all that would be like. And I think that conversation went on for probably about three hours and just also applying like the dimension of just science and kind of like from what we understand and kind of just the different theories and how that fits into that and kind of just using things like string theory or different uh, ideologies to try and uh, see if any of it fits into the framework of the Bible and kind of like just try and get a grasp on what we could even just imagine heaven to be like. And of course it's not the, um, the point to try and ever figure out what that is, but um, I think I really appreciated that one that conversation and just being able to discuss it and just having fun and getting to imagine um, the glory of God and kind of what all that would be like, and then um, even just get like we've talked about before with uh, just getting to know understand the heart of God more and kind of like um, trying to just talk through that. I think was incredible for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I think Jake and I both share this view at least to some significant degree that there's not really an inconsistency with science and with God and his creation. And uh, so, you know, string theory was one of the things that we were talking about related to different dimensions. And, you know, we've uh, talked about different examples in the Bible where, um, you know, is sometimes a vision, is that representation, is there some scientific uh, foundation that God uses in order to make those visions visible to individuals. So we kind of play with the science side of it to see how those two things uh, can fit together, knowing that God has created everything and all the natural laws that we're aware of are things that God has put into place. So it's it's sometimes fun to take a look at that. I remember on that discussion, one of the things that, uh, and again, it was a three-hour discussion, so we went down a lot of rabbit holes, but I remember one of those was, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to getting a chance. I'm hoping that God's going to be able to let me get a look at those dinosaurs firsthand. I'd love to be able to see that. So whether that's a rewind or however that happens, I'd love to really see that. Jake and I had several different topics like that we talked about. And then ultimately where we ended up is, you know, being in the presence of God, I'm probably ain't going to think about any of that other stuff. It's not even going to come on the radar. It's not going mm -hmm. to matter. So it is fun. We enjoy doing that. Um, but ultimately, we realized that just being in the presence of God, there's not going to be anything better than that. And and the people that are listening don't know that you're a medical doctor. And so you not only do you both bring all kinds of just raw intelligence and brilliance to any conversation, but but you also bring that that science background. In fact, we have 
Tom is one of our shepherds here. And in fact, as of a month or so ago, we had three elders that all come from a, a medical background. In fact, I was talking to one of them this past week and we were talking, he's an, he's an optometrist. And so we were talking about the eye and just about the design of it and how amazing that is. And, and I remarked to him how I, it, it's hard to believe that there would be any scientist of any stripe, but especially a medical doctor that could look at the human body and think, yeah, that probably just, you know, accident, you know, I just, I just, who knows? I mean, it just, something exploded and, you know, some process, who knows? It just, I just can't even imagine having such little regard for the human body. So I am, I say all that to say that, um, I imagine you brought this unique perspective and Jake, as you went through school and probably heard all kinds of things and, you know, you were in science classes and all kinds of things. I can imagine that led to all kinds of great conversations at home to talk about design and talk about the body and the world and creation and, and all those things. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I even won, like when I learned, um, physics in high school and like string theory was one that like I learned that and I was like, oh, that's a really cool, uh, perspective. And then kind of thinking about a spiritual dimension with that was one that we explored. And so um, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we we've said string theory three Mm -hmm. times now. So you might want to explain what that is for, you know, all those other people, I'm sure all of us No, (laughs) just kidding. I have no idea what the string theory is. So Um, can you explain? Yeah, I can try. Uh, It's, it's what makes it fun too, is they they always use uh, what I've seen is like diagrams with it. So this will be fun for everyone listening, but um, the, the metaphor is that you have kind of in space, you have a fir- first, second, and third dimension, like a first dimension would be a dot. The second dimension would be a line. And then a third dimension is when those things cross over together, you have kind of a three, 3d object. Gotcha. And then using that same kind of mold for like time so that time being kind of at one point in time would be a fourth dimension. And then fifth dimension would be kind of like time moving along like a line. And then uh, sixth dimension would be like the crossing over of that in time. And they're different models not and, and so time and not even time that way is necessarily kind of the universal one but kind of in the same way that uh, at least the big idea is that you can see the dimensions of the ones that you're at so we can see um, a second dimension but the second dimension may not be able to see us and so in kind of the same way that um, and kind of even we, how we talked about with um, kind of the spirit and that we may not be able to see the spirit directly but we're be able to be influenced by it in kind of the same way that you can't see gravity exactly um, that we're influenced by that that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so <clears throat> Jake's much more up on this than I am, but if I remember right, string theory suggests that there are probably 11 or 12 different dimensions. And of course, dimensions can be collapsed upon themselves so that they may not be visible to us or we may not be able to interact with those. But um, <clears throat> I'll probably get some of the names wrong here. But as you think back, and I can't remember whether I always get Elijah and Elisha mixed up. But when they're there with their servant, and I think it was the king of Aram, his armies were coming. They were to get either Elijah or Elisha. I, always, I think it's Elijah, but I always get that mixed up. And uh, his servant's there, and his servant is having this, you know, just breakdown. He's worried. They're surrounded. And, uh, you know, the prophet says, prays to God and says, you know, and of course, there's a lot of paraphrasing here, but prays to God and says, you know, just can you let my servant see? Yeah. And he opens his eyes and he's able to see, you know, all these amazing chariots of fire and uh, all these armies around them and uh, to help the servant recognize that they're not alone, that God is with them. And so Jake and I have talked about, you know, if there was, I mean, it could just be an outright miracle, 
But if God is actually using some of his laws of physics that he's put into place, does that represent a different dimension that normally we never get to see and that God opened that up and gave people a, a chance to see that? So, again, those are just fun things that we enjoy, you know, talking about. Not that there's any significance in it, uh, but still we find it fun. Yeah. If I can, I think one thing, too, that looking back on really every conversation we've had with that and um, even with like things about movies and chess and some of the, our other common passions, but um, especially with spiritual conversation that we tend to uh, kind of end on a common ground and kind of come back to it, whether it be um, the unknowns of the universe. And we're like, we really don't understand really any of it. And that everything we've said is absolute speculation. And that at the end of the day, that the science behind it is not the point, kind of the gospel and to focus it and like glory back to God and kind of recenter it as far as like enjoying the conversation and the gift that God has given us to be able to pursue that and kind of with thought, but also to um, bring it back rooted down as far as like, what does that mean? And kind of to just, often it's just a step back to look at like God is so much bigger and that, and who he is and kind of just seeing that more. So, yeah. But, but in those discussions, as you explore some of these concepts, um, I think both of us feel there's an opportunity to see the amazing wisdom and knowledge and power of God. So whether it's like, you know, uh, uh, for me, I like to do photography as well. But, you know, in some of these photographs, you can actually see how flower petals are curled together in a certain form so that they unfold in a specific way and then, you know, open themselves up. And as you look at all these different things that God has done on all these different levels, it's incredible to see how God has made us and made everything around us and how he's put all these laws into place that are just phenomenal. There's so much beauty and wisdom and power and all this stuff. So, you know, when the Psalms talks about, you know, the heavens basically crying out the glory of God, I mean, we see that in all the things that surround us. So it's fun sometimes to dig into that and to think about what takes place in order for God's plan to unfold before us, even if it's something as simple, again, as the petal of a flower opening whenever the sun starts to shine. There's just a lot of enjoyment to, to looking at that and seeing God's glory in that. You know, I, I, as I'm listening to you guys, I think that there's so many young people that have grown up with a mind like yours, Jake, that that you're curious about the world and that you you have questions and you speculate about all of these things and that they didn't have the blessing of having a dad or anybody in their life really to be able to discuss those things with in the context of faith. And, and sometimes the only place that they have to go is to the secular world and, and listen to the answers that they have or the, the, not answers, but the further speculation. And they just kind of go down this rabbit hole of, well, what if, and what if, and what if, and what if, and, and nobody to ground them in, in a faith in God and, and in Jesus. And, and so often that's all that that, that people need. They need somebody to sit and, and talk about those kinds of things with them. And, and so many people don't have that where, you know, I, I think there's a lesson there for every parent that we, we've got to be able to have those conversations with our kids because a lot of them are, some of them may not never wonder about the universe or about where did we come from or what are there, are there other dimensions or whatever, but so many of them are wondering about those things and we have to be able to explore reality with them and, and talk about, uh, talk about real things and, you know, explore their curiosity. Uh, but I think there's a lesson there too for the church 
And you you said a minute ago about the the role the congregation has played, and and so some some kids don't have Christian parents, and and as the church we need to recognize that, and we need to be there and be mentors and be people that are willing to have these conversations. And you're never going to have them unless you just hang out with people and you know go go hiking or go on a trip or whatever, and and just sit and talk about the world and reality. Yeah, I think. Um very common that on that too, the going back to growing up in the church, I don't know that I ever, uh, looking back just, or I don't know when it hit me that I realized like, this is like my second family. I think it was just something kind of like, kind of the same thing growing up with my parents. So there's kind of a moment that even like once I knew the word family and was like, Oh, this is it. And I kind of had that same feeling with McDermott growing up that, that going to church was just something that like was just a part of our lives and something that we did and something that was something rooted for us. And that, we would get uh, meals with different members of the congregation and get to spend time with them and uh, get to do Easter egg hunts at uh, some community of or members of the church's house and uh, get to be poured in by them and them and then in turn get to pour it back into them. Um, I think that's been something that's definitely been transformative and a lot of memories that I can have when I'm younger have been things about growing up and in VBS and uh, a lot of great memories just at this church. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've seen Jake, take that and now kind of make that part of his, what I would call personal ministry. He, he may not see it that way, but I think others might see it that way. So Camp Ictus is something that he really enjoys and he goes to and, and serves, you know, as a counselor or you know, potentially as an intern, different roles. And so it gives him that opportunity to have those discussions with other kiddos who are at camp and be able to explore some of those things that we just talked about and do it in a different environment and uh, be able to listen to what they are, get to know uh, you know, what their perspectives are, what their questions are, what their interests are. And uh, again, just to be there to have those conversations and uh, you know, to help people grow in their faith and their trust in the Lord and maybe even their understanding of how their lives uh, can be led in a way that actually draw them closer to God. So Jake, uh, I know Jake enjoys doing that quite a bit. And it's amazing how so often that's an area that's missing in all of our discipleship is that when we teach somebody else, it reinforces it in us. And so that that idea of of sharing what we've gained and sharing the way people have poured into us, and that's the way it's supposed to work, is that disciples make disciples. And, and so those of us that were blessed to have Christian parents, and even those that weren't blessed to have Christian parents, but they had Christians that taught them and mentored them and discipled them, then there is a there is a a failure to launch, maybe. I don't know how to put that. When when we keep that to ourselves and we don't share it with somebody else. But when when you're a young person like Jake and you're you're mentoring other people and sharing that with the, the next generation and becoming part of that cycle. And that's really, I mean, I I love to sit and think about that for two thousand years. Every every disciple of Jesus today was taught by somebody who was taught by somebody who was taught by somebody who was taught by somebody. And so often we take ourselves out of that process and we're, we're not only shortchanging the people that could hear it from us, but we're shortchanging ourselves. And so I think that that's, that's a part of raising children to follow Jesus is helping them find ways that they can get involved in, in sharing the gospel with other people and mentoring younger kids. I think there's there's also a two-way street to that concept, so uh, at least as parents and, mm-hmm. and 
I throw this out just because it's a, a very humbling experience for me. So, you know, with our kiddos that had the opportunity to be able to grow up at McDermott and to be able to, you know, go to classes and hear stories and have all these relationships, there were events as they grew up where things would happen and their faith would be so strong and so powerful that at times it would humble us as parents and we're thinking, you know, we should have said that or we should have done that, mm-hmm. and yet it's our children who bring it up. And I'll just give you one example, and, you know, since Jake's part of the podcast, I'll keep leaning on him, but uh, all our all of our kiddos have done this, and I'm sure experience has been the same for you, but uh, uh, Cynthia told this story. Cynthia, my wife, told this story where she was in the car with Jake. Jake was probably pre-K or in kindergarten, and they drove up to a busy intersection. It's like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's this kid who's got uh, hopped off his bike, and he's trying to run across the intersection. All these cars are moving up in you know, different directions, and it clearly was kind of a stressful environment. And uh, Jake's in the back seat, and he, he tells his mother, he says, Mother, we need to pray for him. Mm. And, uh, you know, this wasn't the first experience for Cynthia, but, you know, she went ahead and prayed the prayer while you're at the intersection with the red light on. But that's something that J- both Jake and Jonathan, as well as Kate, have taught us at parents. Being brought up in the church and in the church family, they have this uh, relationship with God that at times is going to be ever most in their mind when it may not be in our mind. We may have become distracted. We may have focused on other things. And, uh, our children are there sometimes to remind us that you may need to change your perspective or your priority because we should be praying about this or we should be thinking about what God would want us to do in those situations. And so sometimes that discipleship, you know, helping to make a disciple works both ways. And as parents, we can benefit from those moments from our kids. And we've certainly been blessed to be able to experience that. Yeah. It's amazing the the profound things that that kids will say and do, and you know that they they got that from from us grownups. But at the same time, you you stop and wonder how in the world did he know to say that, or why did why did he think of that? You know, I wish I had thought of that. You exactly. know, and, and it's it it is it's incredibly humbling uh, to see because I think that so many times I I love that you pointed out the distractions that the older we get, the more things that are going on in our world, and that's what I I when I was growing up, I mean, church camp every summer was a huge part, I think, of my development as a Christian. And and as I got older, the more I realized that really adults need that too. And what, what really struck me, because I was in youth ministry for several years, and what would happen, I think, is I would take kids to camp or on a retreat or whatever, and they'd get away from their cell phones and they'd get away from the television and they'd get away from video games and their friends at school, and, and they, would, they would kind of unplug and they would tap into something that they didn't, they, they couldn't access in the real world and and they would realize what was real and they would they would have this this moment and we call that a spiritual high but then they would come back and and I think that they wanted that to be the new reality they wanted to come back and and but their parents weren't a part of that experience and so their parents were just glad to have them back and everything went back to normal and and it 
sometimes the kids would just go back to normal. But I think sometimes too, it created a frustration with mom and dad to think, why aren't you, why aren't you as spiritual as you should be or whatever, forgetting that a week before camp, they weren't either, but, uh, or, or they would come to church and they're like, wow, these people just don't, you know, they don't get it. You know, they, they don't have that. Well, it's tough to live in this world. And so it, it occurred to me that what would be ideal is for whole families to kind of take a retreat together and to get away from the distractions together and, and then get on that quote unquote high for a while together. And then they could come back and implement those things into a new reality and say, Hey, we're going to structure our family to be different than, than we were before or different than our neighbors are or different than the normal way of doing things. Yeah. And I think one thing that, uh, a little bit of a tangent, but one of the things that I kind of thought with that was last week I got to talk with my cousin on the phone and she was a, a camp counselor for this past week. And we were both kind of talking about camp and kind of that spiritual high that you get. And mm-hmm. she said, as a counselor this year, it was different for her. And I was kind of talking through that. And I think, uh, that little bit different with going back to the reinvestment is that that opportunity that you have to kind of reinvest. It doesn't as much feel like a great high, but it feels almost more like transformative. And I mm-hmm. think there's something great about that where you can go with the, the camp, uh, that getting the chance to, as we've been talking about disciple others can help that, uh, solidify and the Holy spirit to work in you more to transform. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think too, with the, um, the whole family is being able to uh, get to experience that high and get to experience it together. Cause I think um, some of the best growth also comes in community. And, you know, I, I think a key part of what you just talked about, Wes is, you know, it requires on the part of the parents commitment and it requires a plan, which is actually what we're going to be talking about in this next parenting class. But um, as you go through that parenting process, uh, you realize that, you do have to be fully committed. I mean, that's your lesson series for the year. And I mean, that's the cornerstone. You have to be willing to commit and then you have to figure out, you know, what is the path forward? And obviously you can do that uh, with the help of God and and his spirit and the church family as well. But uh, you have to make that plan and you have to be willing to try to follow that plan because the distractions are going to constantly be, you know, trying to pull you away, taking you different directions. And, as parents, we've got perhaps more than what the younger kiddos do. Uh, they don't worry as much about the bills and the other things you have to do in day-to-day life. Uh, so it gives them an opportunity to have that perspective and to feel that freedom and to have that focus. And then as even if it's as a family, when we come back, I think as parents, the challenge for us is to not let the distractions get us off the plan and to decrease the commitment that we have to trying to achieve that goal of being a Christian uh, family. Were there ever times, and I guess I'm putting you both kind of on the spot, but were, were there were there times that 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 things changed? That I guess I'll ask it this way: I I know that that even in my, I mean, I've been a parent for ten years, um, and and during that time, my parenting has changed, and and even the plan. You know, I think back to before I was a dad, and you, you think. When, before you're married, you think, oh, I, I kind of have an idea what marriage is going to be like. I mean, my parents were married and, you know, I've been around married people my whole life. I, I, I got this, you know, I know what marriage is going to be like. And then you get married and then about a week or two in, you realize 
this isn't anything like what I thought. It's better. It's better than I thought it was going to be, but it's, it's way different than I thought it was going to be. And parenting even more so. And, and, and everything that I thought, you know, going into it, that this is the way I'm going to be as a dad. This is, I'll never, ever do this. And, you know, I'll always do that. And it doesn't take very long. And, and that, uh, that plan kind of goes out the window. The commitment to, to being, you know, who God calls us to be is, is the same, but kind of the strategy behind it and the, and the plan. So were there times when you realized as a parent and, and maybe even Jake, maybe you realized as a, as a young person, you know, dealing with your parents or dealing with family or dealing with faith, you know, were there times and moments that you, you kind of went through a transformation or a, a shift or a change and think, and I gotta, I gotta do something different because this, this isn't working the way I thought it was going to. I, I, I would say absolutely, frequently, lots of changes, lots of realignments. Um, the example that that I like to give, I mean, it's just one example, but uh, illustrates the point. Is very early on when you know Jonathan was our first child, uh, the question of discipline came up, and what approach would we use to try to keep them on track? And so Jonathan is maybe a year at this point in time. I mean, he's up and able to walk maybe between a year and 18 months. And I grew up, of course, with more of the uh, physical punishment to keep you on track. And uh, Cynthia, of course, as a wonderful parent, was reading everything she could to see what the right perspective was. And so she had adopted the timeout concept, which I thought was kind of hokey and, you know, not the path to be on. And uh, Jonathan liked to try to put objects into the electrical plug in the wall. And uh, we were having a hard time breaking him of that. So my approach was to slap his hand firmly and say, no, no. And, you know, Cynthia's approach was, if he did that, to put him in time out. And I really was pushing for my approach. And one day he was all the way across the den. So he's probably, you know, 30 feet away from me. He's about to put something into electrical plug and he looks at me and he slaps his own hand twice and then goes to stick it into the <laughs> plug, which was one of those revelations of, okay, I think that I've made crazy. the wrong decision here. I'm going to move towards the timeout. And it was incredible because timeout, even at that age where I thought they don't get the concept, even at that age, um, it was a powerful way to help shape behavior. And so, yeah, so that, that was just one of the many examples where, you know, as a family, we had to come to some agreement. I was humbled. Cynthia had the wisdom clearly to make the right decision. I had made the wrong decision. So that really changed our approach. And from that point forward, uh, time out was uh, the thing that helped to shape them uh, to knowing the difference between wrong and right for some of the things that they were doing. So, yeah, that was an ongoing pro- and continues to be an ongoing process as a parent changing direction, reformulating, going back and revisiting things. As on the other side of that is, um, I guess the child growing up, the, I think the, I don't, I don't know that I can see point to necessarily a particular time as much, but kind of this whole transformation, transformational process when I start to see kind of one kind of more as a unit and more, and just really humility in kind of every aspect as far as kind of with myself and in relationship to my parents, but also in, into the family and kind of understanding that, like whenever problems come up that it's us against the problem and not, we're not, we're all on the same side and kind of continual growth and also understanding that, um, at times they have more wisdom or of course they have more wisdom than us, but, 
uh, and just realizing that they know, um, often they often know what's best and that um, to take their insight and their growth and that there's a reason for things that they do. And even that um, being older and kind of being in college, seeing the other side as far as that parenting is also not as easy as it always seems. And that a lot of times they're just doing the, the best that they can and kind of to step back and kind of trust them and trust their judgment kind of, even if I may disagree sometimes that um, I know things will work out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that, um, that we're, we're always in a relationship with a different person than we were a year ago or even yesterday. You know, I was just thinking that we always talk about ourselves changing and developing and transforming, but that's true of everybody in our family and everybody in our life. And yep. in that we're, we're always a different person. I'm not married to the same person. I, I am married to the same woman, but I'm not, <laughs> not to the same person I was, you know, because she, she's a different person. And, and especially true of my boys is that they're, they're always growing and always developing. And so there has to be that, those changes because every stage of life is different uh, and every kid is different. So you have three yes. kids, I have two. And I mean, and, and it's amazing to me, I come from a family of four and my sisters and I are completely different. It's like, how did we all come from the same parents and the same family, the same house? And, and we're just so incredibly different, but it's true. And, and what, what one discipline method works for yes. one kid yes. doesn't work for another kid. I, I was the kind of kid that my parents would look at me funny and, you know, and if I knew I disappointed them, because I was a perfect child. No, I was <laughs> I was more sneaky with what I did. But but if I knew that I disappointed them, th that was about all the discipline I needed. In fact, sometimes I would ask them to discipline me because I'd rather take the punishment and be over with it than have like a guilt trip laid on me. So, uh, but, but I kind of thought that's the way my kids were going to be. And that's not at all, you know? I mean, they don't care whether they disappoint me or not, apparently. But... Um, but you know, it's just it's just different. Every kid is different, and every stage of life is different, and and so we have to adapt and grow and change as we as we go through this thing. And and even the relationship, obviously, between uh, the parent and the child. I mean, you have those variations as well. So, uh, you know, you might have a specific relationship with Noah, and Holly's relationship is obviously going to be different. And mm -hmm. uh, the smart kiddos will learn how to play that between the parents. Um, but it is. It's all dynamic. It's constantly changing. And uh, again, it, it, it requires you to think about, you know, what are our goals? What is our focus? What are we trying to achieve? Because everything continues to uh, require modification and adaption in order for you to be able to achieve what you want. And I think that goes back to what you said a little bit ago, Jake, about even in your discussions, you would always come back to this common ground that, you know, there's all kinds of things that we could speculate about, but what matters is the glory of God. And, and I love that. And I think that that's kind of the, this overarching theme to what we're talking about here is the goal, is the end goal. And so sometimes I think as parents, it can be really easy to get committed to a strategy or committed to a particular tactic or a discipline method or whatever the case may be when really our our commitment has to be to the end goal. And that's that we want to bring glory to God in what we do as parents, as kids, as followers of Jesus, that we want to glorify God and we want to do his will. And so whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get to that goal I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage that God would have me to have and, and be the kind of parent uh, that, that he would have me to have. And, 
And then also understanding that that I'm only in control of my portion of that, you know, and that's that's the hard thing, too, is realizing that everybody else in every relationship that we're in, they get to make their own choices and and, and being okay with that. Yeah, I think uh, one of the words that comes to mind with that is and has earlier with uh, whether it be talking about marriage or with family is just the the covenant relationship that we have of Mm -hmm. this. Um, regardless of the person that they uh, grow to be, that our continual desire to uh, love them. And in the same way, even deeper than that, our covenant relationship with Christ, that um, we can ultimately come and be rooted in that and bring everything back to that, whether it be the theological discussions or just life events or circumstances. Yeah. And I think, you know, at least for me, the thing that I think about that really is the cornerstone for me, which is something that it, requires reevaluation again and again and again over time is you have to be a disciple of Christ yourself. Hmm. It's going to be really hard for you to raise your kiddos and to help them gain that relationship with Christ when yours is not the commitment that it needs to be. And uh, I know for myself, there are times in life where, you know, there are many times in life where I think, okay, I've kind of figured it out or I'm on the right path, and yet God always has something to teach me. <laughs> and sometimes, again, it's very humbling, but uh, there's always more to growing as a disciple. And I think as a parent, that's one thing we can't lose sight of is the fact that we need to be working ourselves on becoming better disciples because if we want our children to be disciples, they're going to go based on what they see us do more than what they hear us say. And uh, it's just something I have to remind myself of because I know that, I mean, for each of us, we need to be in a continually improving mode. And uh, I think it's good for us to reevaluate from time to time. Are we really committed to the degree we think we're committed? Are we really focusing our time and energy uh, in the manner that God wants us to do? And uh, are the things that we need to change so that we can become a better disciple? Uh, For me, that's certainly an ongoing, never-ending process of looking at where I am and and what I need to change. Because like many people, I've I've made lots of mistakes. And thankfully, we have the grace of God there. And God does a wonderful job, I think, of teaching us what we need to do for the next step, how we can change, what we need to improve, what are the areas we need to focus on. How can we grow in our faith and trust in Him, which sometimes means challenges are put before us? So it's a it's a never ending process to stay focused on being a true disciple. And I think that 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 touches on one of the things that I think make you and Cynthia so such great parents and such great Christians is your your humility and your sincerity. And I think that that's that's one thing that kids pick up on is whether or not their parents are sincere. Because it's one thing to bring your kids to church every Sunday. And as a youth minister and as a preacher, I saw that a lot is parents that brought their kids to church every Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, it wasn't that they were out, you know, partying or, you know, doing drugs or something like that. But it was that they, it just wasn't real to them. It was something they did on Sunday. It was something right. that was a, one bucket, one compartment of their life. And their kids knew that. And it, it's not like the the parents that raised tremendous followers of Jesus were perfect. It was that they were sincere. It was that they really wanted Jesus to be the king of their life. And they made their life about Jesus. And when they made mistakes, they were honest and open about that. I've never known 
anybody that is more willing to admit your learning process and your transformation as you and Cynthia are. I mean, the, the number of elders that I've I've known over the years, I could count on my fingers that have ever said to me the kind of things that you've said to me and Cynthia have said to me about your own growth and about how I learned that. I never knew that before. And, and just to always be improving. And it's that. It's when our, our kids and when other people see that in us, that we're, we're always curious and we always want to learn more and do better and, and be a better follower of Jesus. It's that that inspires people to want to follow Jesus too. And it's like, wow, if, if he needs Jesus, I need Jesus. But these kids that are growing up, that it's just something their parents do on Sunday. Why are we shocked when the kids say, well, I'll find something else. Yeah. I think one thing speaking personally that uh, I was able to mimic from my parents or sought to mimic at least is the kind of humility they have in their relationship with God and kind of uh, as we've talked around and hit around as far as in the same way as far as growing up in the house and kind of realizing that um, we're on the same team and that they know more than me and kind of understanding that, that how much more with our creator and our God that uh, we can mirror that and kind of uh, seeing that in their lives, I think is, something that's impacted me and my siblings, just even subconsciously and seeing that, as you mentioned, that sincere relationship and that genuine desire to go to church and see the people there and worship among them kind of um, made me interested, I think, before I even knew that I was interested. Um, And, you know, for for families that have the opportunity to have both parents, you know, as part of the family unit, which, you know, sometimes today is not possible, but um, there's a great benefit in that because I know Cynthia has has been instrumental in helping me grow as well as the kiddos grow uh, with regard to our relationship with Christ. So having both parents to have that as their goal and then, again, to have the kids uh, remind you of that, you know, that passage where Jesus talked about, you know, unless you kind of become like these kids, you're not going to make it to heaven. I mean, I've, I've seen those words played out in my life multiple times where your children remind you of that. So as a family unit, it's great if, if you've got both parents who are working towards that goal and your kids reinforcing you as well as challenge, challenging you, which makes it a dynamic process and helps you to continue to grow individually. I also just want to point out that my dad coming into this was a little bit anxious and said, I'm going to refrain from talking at all. And he's done a great job. I know he's enjoyed it. Uh, very kind words, Jake. Very kind words. Maybe I'll go a little bit easier on chess tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you both having this conversation. I think it's been fantastic. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I've very much enjoyed it. And and I do want to say this. So here's my closing remark. You know, I mentioned the church family and uh, the ministry staff here is incredible. And, uh, you know, both of my boys and now Kate, of course, is transitioning into the youth group. But both my boys grew up, you know, Matt Mead did an incredible job uh, as a youth minister. And uh, again, the whole ministry staff had so much to do with the growth and development of my family. And, you know, I can never express enough appreciation for what all of y'all do uh, day in, day out for us uh, as a church family, because it is truly transformative. And, you know, it, it's not it's not just the educational piece. It is the example uh, it's the encouragement. It's truly the inspiration. 
And so to see you here, you know, doing the podcast again, to me, that's a wonderful thing, even though, yeah, I was hesitant about getting on, on the microphone, but I love what you're doing. And I, I love the encouragement and the inspiration that this provides to people. And uh, that goes across all the ministry staff. Uh, you guys are just incredible. We're blessed to have you here. We're thankful to God that uh, you are the people that you are. And for each of you and your families, you're just a tremendous blessing to this congregation. And that's not a public service announcement. That's very sincere and from the heart because it it does make a difference. I mean, it helps each of us to change when we have models that we can see. You know, just example, Mark Bryson and Laura went to lunch with us one time and uh, we were uh, about to, uh, we had placed our order, our food came, and I'll never forget this. Mark Bryson turns to the, the waitress and says, we're about to offer thanks. Is there something that we could pray for you about? And that lady said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, there is. And uh, that simple little illustration of a concept uh, caused us to subsequently start asking the, the wait staff if we could help. And there were a couple of times where we were able to pray with people that we would not have been able to do uh, had we not been exposed to that situation. So the ministry staff is just tremendous here and a real blessing, and we're very appreciative of you guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this encouraging, and I hope you'll subscribe and give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.